Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going okay. I got the hiccup, so I, I don't know what to do about that, but uh, we'll see how Boom. it goes. Ah, that doesn't work, man. I tried uh, that. Believe me. Sorry. Uh, um, well, I know what can scare you. Climate oh. catastrophe. Ah, Your hiccups should be cured. Yeah, I think they are. <laughs> well, so I wanted to talk about Greta Thunberg, because uh, I've not actually Thunberg. thought about Thunberg. Thunberg, I believe. Thunberg. Thunberg. Oh, my mistake. Yeah. Um, oh, well, because earlier today, we'll see how this goes, how enjoyable it'll be to listen to uh, your hiccups for 20 minutes. Yeah, but yeah. Um, So I watched a video from Rebel this morning about Greta Thunberg, um, and it got me thinking about it just generally, right? And so in it, it, there was a clip of her TEDx talk where she admits that at like age, or she admits, she says that at age 11, she was diagnosed with um, Asperger's and like obsessive compulsion and, and some other mute disorder. And so like, she's definitely a troubled child. Um, and it's really interesting. I mean, I really liked what you posted um, at some point about her speech and how it was like really addressed to her parents, not the world, right. like about how they destroyed her childhood and these sorts of things. Yeah. So the video, the, the latter half of this rebel video was really focused around the parents and who is exploiting the 16 year old child um, to advance their agenda. And you've talked about like, we really shouldn't be mocking her either because this is like a troubled child being used. So yeah. I want to get your thoughts about that a bit more because, I mean, it's an angle that no one that's cheering her on seems to think about at all. Um, and also, like, why is this person the spokesperson, right? There are people actually making changes to improve things. But this person who just, I mean, she got famous because she got mad at a Swedish parliament or something, right? right. Uh, I don't even know, or at EU or something. Um, so it's just very interesting, but I want to kind of get understand your thoughts on it because i also think you know or have read a bit more about this than than i have yeah i mean uh, you know i don't think it's a, a new tactic um you know people trot out articulate children uh to make their points because we have some sympathy for kids right it, it's we have empathy their their message packs a bigger punch when it comes out of the out of the mouth of a child um so you know that this is uh yeah it's sad to me it's sad that they're using this young lady i mean most people with asperger's i think turn into libertarians as far as i know but well yeah uh, <laughs> I, I think i have i'm definitely on the spectrum somewhere and it's right. like uh yeah but i mean she she is being you know, she. I, I think that she has these beliefs genuinely, and people notice that, and then they they hitch her, hitch their cart to her wagon, encourage her, and surround her in a bubble of um, protection, right? And I see this with celebrities all the time. Like Neil Young, it was the same thing. I did some film work with him when he came up to Fort McMurray to shoot an environmentalist uh, film. I made it my effort to get in on all these environmentalists that came to Alberta to shoot, um, to, to push their agenda. Right. And for the most part, I found them well-intentioned people. They were troubled yeah. by climate change. They thought it was, uh, a, an emergency or a catastrophe that needed to be dealt with. And, um, Fort McMurray was a geopolitical hotspot and, you know, Neil Young, anyone that has some celebrity and, 
they're surrounded by yes men and yes people that just feed their narrative that that protect them from any arguments to the contrary that that feed into their you know like I, I like to surround myself with people and sometimes it's a pain in the butt but people who constantly question me and I constantly question yeah. myself I never know if I'm quite right I'm always concerned about about the truth right and I couldn't imagine being surrounded by people that continually tell me everything I do is is um, amazing and sacrosanct and you know just the best right and so unfortunately that's now where Greta finds herself and she's surrounded by people that um, that don't want to connect her to any kind of personal responsibility for her message they want to shield her from that and just use her as a pawn and um, it, it is troubling for sure you know I've seen the same thing too well, I mean, Dave, there's a clip out there I posted a while ago of David Suzuki's daughter back in 92 at a, at a same UN climate change conference or something like that, you know, giving a same impassioned speech about how their future, her future is being destroyed by us adults um, who are doing all these nasty things. Um, you know, I, I saw a 12 year old talk about the problems of central banking and propose a solution of socialized banking, a people's bank, right? You know, like it's it's very tempting to to use kids to to um, pump your agenda, I guess, or push your propaganda. I'd be interested to know what David Suzuki's daughter thinks now, if she has the ability to reflect on, even if she still thinks climate change is a problem, if she has the ability yeah. to reflect on her role as a child, like. That's interesting to me. And it's interesting that, like, there's no even, you know, thought of exploitation on the side that supports it, right? Clearly, this child is right. Clearly, the, even if she was right, is this, like, does she have the ability to do this properly? Does she have the mental capacity? We, there's, I've, I've found, and I'm starting to formulate more, there's this obsession with youth on the left. And I found that as well, that like the youth, yeah, the youth is the future technically, but there's a reason that the trend stays that once you hit a certain age, you tend to be more conservative on average. It's not right. like every, it's not like that generation, it's any generation as they get older, trends more conservative. And then there's this idea that, that I held as well, that, oh, it's because they're old and they don't know anything, where it's like, no, actually, on average, they're old and they probably know more things. Why are we assuming 20-year-olds, 16-year-olds know everything? And so it's interesting that that message ties in so well. And she not only is like a proud young person, but she activates the pride of the youth on the left as well, I think. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I remember being pretty cocky at that age, too, and thinking I had all the answers. And, you know, I, my worldview is is completely different now that uh, I've had a bit of experience and I've been, um, you know, exposed to arguments contrary to my firmly held beliefs in the past. And, you know, I've just been beaten down by uh, reality and truth and, and logic and reason. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we trend to be, tend to be more, uh, I guess, we buy into this idea that government is magic, that it's a committee of virtue, that it's there well, to it's solve the all our religion, problems. right? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. It's the new religion, no. right? When you were a kid, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, you were indoctrinated with a religion and you believed it because you were told it's true. And then yeah. at some point when you're older, you're like, well, maybe it's not true. It's just now that's 
government, right? But well, it's no, the same and, and, exact and, patterns. Yeah, and it, it is exactly, and and that's kind of what I was thinking about when I when I was a teenager, right? Like I was pretty hardcore evangelical Christian. And I remember being a camp counselor and and uh, indoctrinating kids into this stuff, right? And and using the the fear of hell. Like if if you don't subscribe to these beliefs, like you're going to burn in hell. I mean, that's a terrible thing to say to a child, but that was my firmly held belief. And because of that, I, and my good intentions, I did some things I'm not very proud of now looking back. Like I, I probably scared the heck out of these kids and, and, um, and there, there's just no reason to believe what I believe. It was just put there by everyone around me, right? Like I was immersed in this culture and it wasn't like anyone was using me as a pawn necessarily to say, Tim, we need you to go out there and push this agenda. And here's the words you got to say, but you grow up around a culture that constantly preaches this stuff and you take it seriously when you're a kid. It's like, yeah, there's truth. If this is the truth, this, we need to take this seriously. Like, let's stop fiddle farting around and stop. And like, I, I, I was almost critical of pastors and people around me not being hardcore enough because look, right. the, these people are literally going to burn eternally in hell. Now, this isn't much <laughs> that, that isn't that far removed from what Greta Thunberg, she has that same idealistic passion. Right. She, she's been told this truth by people around her. And none of them are really taking it that seriously. And but she is sure as heck is, and she's like, "Man, we need to be upset. Like, there's a catastrophe coming. We we need to do something. Like, if if you be, true, firmly believe that, Greta is doing exactly what you need to do to to stave that off. Right, raise the alarm at all costs, no matter what, to, to her personal pride. And and you know, there's something kind of inspiring almost about that. Yeah. To some it's like it's she can serve as the actual hero because most people who mostly believe it don't do anything about it because if they truly believed it if it was true we would all be like that right yeah. if rationally everyone believed or even the people who claim they believe it's true if it was really true they wouldn't just be striking on fridays or whatever yeah. it is they wouldn't just be oh i'm gonna slightly eat less red meat or something like that they'd be freaking out oh my god the world's on fire but they're not but she's the personification they're looking for she's right. the hero figure they're looking for and of course, if she was 30, 30 years old and behaving this way, she would be denounced and decried and, and there'd be all sorts of reason and evidence and arguments put against her that would like put that person to shame, basically. But now if you try to do that to a child, you look like the bad guy. So it's a perfect, um, perfect weapon, I guess, to use to get out propaganda because you can't criticize it without looking like an asshole. Well, and that's what we're, that's one of the, things I wanted to ask about is how do we actually then handle this situation? Because right now, yeah, you, you and I are basically shitting on a 16-year-old troubled child being exploited. But this is the the mask of the, the battle, right? Like this, this is what they're purposely putting forward. I mean, it's not a direct analogy, but I think of when, when you know, armed militants hide in civilian areas. Right. If you bomb the civilian areas to destroy your destroyers, Who's to blame, right? Yep. Like, they're the ones using this shield. So it's like, I don't want to attack a 16-year-old. So how do you deal with this, right? What if there was yep. an army and all they were were kids trying to kill you? You have to react to the facts of reality. But it's it's very difficult, especially when it's in a discussion. In a, it's like kind of in a moral way like this and talking about what is right, what is good, and these sorts right. of things. 
Well, yeah, and and I, I think the key is to not is to hate the sin, not the sinner, right? To go back to my old evangelical right. roots. It's it's like that. This person isn't evil. You don't need to uh, resort to ad hominem attacks. Uh, what you need to do is address the argument she's making, address the rhetoric, rhetoric, and patiently explain why it's wrong. You know, when I w was uh, living in Fort McMurray and, and an ardent defender of the oil sands and the oil industry, I, I made it my effort to get on these environmentalist productions. You know, Neil Young and Daryl Hannah, Andy Cobb and Mike Demanskis, all these environmentalists came to Fort McMurray and I, I tried to get in on their productions. And I, I didn't go there to be their enemy. I went there to be their friend, to help them make whatever product they want. But in doing so and creating those relationships and in, in having civil discussion with them, I got them to point, you know, I encouraged them to point their cameras in, in different directions towards some beauty, towards some, I created some cognitive dissonance precisely because they couldn't just discount me as the enemy anymore. Because I wasn't right. just discounting them as the enemy, right? And so being friendly, being nice, being kind to people actually goes a long way. And to my knowledge, and in fact, with with uh, Andy Cobb and Mike Demanskis, these guys, they they made headlines before they even came to Alberta because they couldn't get into Alberta. They They got turned away in Fort McMurray by a border agent at the airport who sent them home because they said by filming in Alberta, by filming a production in Alberta, you're taking away Alberta jobs, right? And so they spent all this money on legal legal costs fighting these guys. And I helped them. I raised the alarm and I got people riled up. Like people in Fort McMurray were fighting for these guys to come to Fort McMurray to slag Fort McMurray, right? They were fighting for yeah. their rights to free speech <laughs> and to do what they want, which must have put them off, like <laughs> gave them a, a different thing, right? And we successfully got them here. Now that border agent cost Canadian jobs because they were going to pay me, but because they spent all this money on legal fees, they couldn't afford to pay me. So I had to work for free. So they cost me a paying job, uh, the, the border agents in that case. But they employed themselves. Right, right. <laughs> and and so, so, you know, we made this film. We went all over the place and they interviewed everyone I, I asked them to interview, like all these amazing people in the community that worked in oil and gas, but had the same environmental consciousness as them that were actually producing solutions, not just throwing criticisms at people. And over the time that they spent with us, their attitude softened. And to my knowledge, their film never saw the light of day. I don't think they they felt like they could put it out. I mean, they they came up there to be militant environmentalists. And in fact, uh, they, they told me that, you know, environmental circles that coming into the geopolitical hotspot that's all over the news because Keystone XL and, and the oil sands was all the rage back then that yeah. I, I, I said, well, why don't you go like if you're triaging CO2 emissions, like there's plenty more places in the U S that are emitting CO2 coal fired plants. Like the dirtiest oil fields in North America are right outside your door at Placerita oil fields, just outside of LA. These guys came from LA. I said, why, why aren't you going to these places? And they said, well, because this is the hot spot. This this is the place that's going to get us laid as environmentalists. They they basically said that, right? Yeah. And and so they came up there as militant environmentalists. But after meeting people and connecting with us and seeing how friendly and welcoming we were and how willing we were to help them tell the whatever story they wanted to at the end of the day, they just I think they softened and realized, you know, <laughs> that this isn't this the thing that we thought it was. This isn't this the naked evil that we thought it was. And actually, there's some solutions being generated here. And it was the same with Neil Young too. Like I, I don't think his film ever saw the light of day either. And you know, I wrote an article in the Huffington Post 
that went viral, you know, it was a nice article. Like it wasn't super critical of Neil. I just said, I, I pointed out the ways in which his message undermines the very thing he's trying to do. Like here he, he has this son who's 36 years old, has cystic fibrosis, had a life expectancy of 16 years, okay? Because their lungs fill up and they need constant round-the-clock care to clear out their lungs. And I pointed out the fact that the fact that Neil's son is 36 and driving around on this diesel-burning bus following his dad everywhere with a nurse around the clock, the only reason he's alive today is connected to a causal chain of events that starts at the, the dirty smokestacks of the Industrial Revo Rev uh, Revolution and allows a guy to make sounds, noises. He no longer has to work from before dawn till after dusk just to survive. He can make millions of dollars and live a lavish life by simply making noises. That's all because of the Industrial Revolution. His son's alive and, and today and living the best life he possibly could because of all those things. And he's, he's undermining the very thing that is keeping his son alive and that was kind of the point of my art article like trying to point out the similarities between what people in fort mcmurray are doing they're burning a lot of energy yes but they're creating solutions and moving us to the next energy paradigm similar to what neil young was doing in that film which was he spent a million dollars converting this uh lincoln continental into a hybrid burning electric vehicle that only used fuel from one place in the U u.s because it was the cleanest fuel so it had to be trucked with uh, diesel burning trucks everywhere you go you can't look, you say what you want, but he's actually putting his actions where, where his values are. And if enough of us did that over time, we would get to the next energy paradigm, right? And, but yeah, it's going to, we're going to have to produce some CO2. We're going to have to use some energy. We're going to have to burn some resources to get to that thing. But we were doing the exact same thing Neil Young was doing. And that was the point of this article. And so I put this out and I, I saw that Neil Young's people put out an article article response to that a rebuttal but it was a friendly rebuttal it was like you know this guy actually makes some really good points and blah 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 and we you know we value his viewpoint and yada yada his film never came to pass and again it was because i was friendly to neil i i encouraged him to to, to point his camera in different directions i pointed out all the great things about the community about the oil sands and at the end of the day i just shot what he wanted me to shoot even though i didn't necessarily agree with the message but i i think that that being friendly and and connecting at a human level with these people eventually um they they just lost the motivation to put these films out when i think that's another reason that children are so good as the centerpiece because she can be isolated from those views she's not going to decide who talks to her or not who's friendly to her or not that's the people around her so they can be managed much more explicitly than an adult would be who's trying to whether or not right. with whatever agenda who's putting themselves out into the world on their own accord yeah and so so but I, but I want you to notice I think there's an important point here to be made that rebel piece and a lot of the pieces that are critical of Greta are kind of playing gotcha journalism right like they're trying to trap yeah. her make her look dumb they're they're combative they're adversarial right they're not connecting and, and that kind of that kind of right uh, approach, I think, is going to entrench her further in her dogma. What she needs to see is the commonality that people who disagree with her have with her, that they share the same values, that they want to see humans flourish, that they want to see this planet thrive, that all, all these things, but they, they're looking at, they see a different path forward than she does with her strident militaristic kind of attitude, right? And so right. I think if, if I were the 
the UCP or the Kenny government, I would offer an olive branch and connect her with with that humanity and show her that that at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have the same values, uh, roughly, and and the same goals here. We want to see humans flourish, and we want to see the environment flourish to support human life. And there's different ways of approaching it. And this is the way we're approaching it. And she won't agree with them, but at least she'll soften her attitude towards it. Right. I think that's the, the way forward. But what do you think of allegations like that someone wants her to influence the Canadian election? Like this is very good timing as when she's here. There's a big rally today right before the election. Um, yeah. What do you think of I mean, it's probably not her conscious decision to do that, no. likely. But do you think that is an intention? Like, you know, the rebel piece was going on about dark money supporting her, like, and having. I mean, I'm not one to buy into conspiracy theories, but do you think there is some validity to the the coincidence of her timing in Canada? Yeah, I think there's no doubt that um, you know there are people that are taking advantage of of that opportunity to try to influence the the election. I, I think that happens all the time. I tried to influence the the last U.S. election the best I could. Uh, you know, I tried to hack it every way I could for Gary Johnson. Um, it didn't work, but <laughs> you know, like we, we all try to do that. Like I, I don't know how you how you get rid of that and and uh, you know so so i'm not um like I, I don't get the point of trying to follow the money and and back to soros and and figure you know just say okay here's a puppet master that's controlling everything i you know i don't think the world really works like that i, I think yeah. certainly soros and his organizations have a vested interest in in pr promoting their agenda however they can do that and this is a uh, convenient way of doing that but you know we can also do the same thing and influence influence it back that's what free speech is all about and so yeah, uh, yeah i mean I, I i guess um you know we should it be it might concerned. be but it doesn't matter really because that's just how things are yeah it, it, like I, I just don't know how you get away from that like how do you like do you just during the election cycle prevent can canadians from ingesting any content from outside the borders of Canada whatsoever, turn off all pop culture, like American TV and, and you know, like you just can't do that. Everything is influencing our opinions and our culture. And, you know, at the end of the days, we end of the day, we have to be personally responsible for our own beliefs and our own culture in our own mind. And, and um, you know, we, we can't control what others are going to think and, and do. And so, and, and in fact, I think it's a fool's errand to chase that. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, I certainly think there's people, foreign influences trying to I interfere here. And you could argue about whether their intention is to to undermine Canadian oil so that their own oil companies flourish, like to take out the competition, or whether it's genuinely motivated by uh, a fear of climate catastrophe or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, the motivation doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is the result, right? The, the message. And the message is wrong regardless of what's motivating it, whether it's good intentions or bad intentions. And I tend to think that most evil that's done in the world is done with good intentions, right? You're trying to yeah. protect people. You're, you think that you have to do a bit of evil for the greater good, or you have to violate your principles or do this. It's, it's the philosophy of pragmatism um, where you sacrifice your principles for the greater good and, and bad consequences result from that. And, and so I think, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what the intentions are. It matters what 
the assumptions are and the assumptions are wrong here regardless of of what the intentions are and so what do we do about greta thunberg do we you and i do we ignore her do we not pay attention to anything that's going on around her do we continue to engage and try and dispute what a child is saying that largely is just parroted from other like she's just a figurehead that is popular among the left let's say but she's not presenting anything new so what is the right what is the appropriate response if we ran the media and it was objective like what is the proper response to this person yeah again i think the proper response is to address her arguments right is to to look at them and say well this is wrong for this reason and respectfully um you know you're making the wrong assumption here uh the assumption should be shouldn't be minimizing but, environmental I impact it should be maximizing human flourishing but and is it because she's the figurehead so like anyone who ends up in right because you were saying if she's you know a 40 year old acting this erratic maybe she's not the figurehead maybe she does like her behaviors don't warrant engagement she's a young kid with bad crazy ideas so is it yeah. just because she's been elevated by the the mob that they've elected her figurehead so now we have to engage with the figurehead yeah, I don't even though she's I, a child. I don't know. I, I don't really feel the need to to address her arguments because, you know, I think they're nonsensical and pretty immature. Like, you know, she's a kid. Um, you know, I could see why people are flocking to her and rallying around her. And, you know, when you see someone who is brave and and giving it to the man, right? And living um, that, the ideals and like living right, right. Um that that that's something that people rally around um so I, I don't know how you, you like you can't you can't argue against that there's no way to argue against people admiring bravery or courage or something like that um, and, and so to me it's when individuals start suggesting uh climate action policy that you you point out why the the assumptions are all wrong and how this will have the the will have the opposite effect of what you're hoping for and you know, you have to have those individual conversations and maybe at a public forum uh, with politicians debating it or whatever. Or, you know, if you, you get the opportunity to debate climate action with a, a, a scholarly uh, counterpart or colleague, you take that up. But you get these ideas out and, and you you debate the ideas and you, you stay away from the ad hominem attacks. Like the left looks like crazy, naughty loons because all they ever do is engage in ad hominem attacks. And, you know, it's wearing thin. You can see it all over the place. Yeah. People are wearing thin. Like, they, they just don't buy it. The left has lost, lost all credibility. And what I'm suggesting is we don't need to embrace the tactics of the left that are causing them to lose credibility. Like, we can remain level-headed, objective, and rational, and, and um, you know, connect with people on that level rather than, and, and that's not to say that we we don't need to connect with people on an emotional level. Like there are communication techniques you can use, you know, you, like, um, you know, Alex Epstein talks about this all the time. How, how, how did you change your mind? Tell that story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people can see your thought process. You, you can um, connect with people on a human level, try to understand what their goal is and explain what your goal is. Is it minimizing environmental impact or is it 
maximizing human flourishing like why does the environment matter to you you know start start there like that that's the most important starting point is understanding that you're starting from the same frame like mm. okay if we can agree that human flourishing is the most important metric here that the environment as it pertains to human flourishing is what we're we're interested in now we can have a talk now the metric that we're measuring isn't how many degrees things are changing or what the ph level of the ocean is or any of those things or how many trees or now what we're doing is how is all those things impacting human flourishing that's the ultimate metric we're looking at and and until we agree on that we can't really have a conversation as far as i can tell so you got to spend a lot of time working on finding that and and getting on the same page and, and getting the person to recognize on a deeply emotional a level that you authentically care about the same thing they care about at the end of the day. Once, once you're connected on that level, now they'll be open to uh, hearing some rational arguments and how you arrived at these things and, you know, expressing doxastic openness, right? The, the, the attitudinal disposition that you are personally willing to change your mind if presented with the right reason and evidence. Um, cause that's what attitude you want them to have. You don't want them to be entrenched in dogma. So you can't be entrenched in dogma. And so th these are all techniques you can use, uh, to have productive conversations. Um, but you know, the, the world is, you know, I, I think there's, there's gotta be a market demand for those kind of conversations, the kind of conversations you and I have where yeah. we're not entrenched in dogma. And it's not about us, uh, firing at each other entrenched in in dogma, right? We're genuinely trying to arrive at some sort of truth and agreement on things. And that requires both of us to have that attitudinal disposition of being willing to change our mind, uh, presented with reason and, and evidence. And so, uh, you, but you can, you can do that with people, right? You can do that with even the most dogmatic person. You can use techniques. You can get them to think about their beliefs. How sure are you on a scale of one to 10 about yeah. that, that sacred belief you have? eight, nine. Okay. What would get you from a nine to say a seven on that yeah. scale? Right. And then they start thinking about, Hmm, what could they, so, so they're starting to under actively undermine their own arguments in their head. Right. And that's much more, much more likely to be effective than you coming at them with all the reason and evidence and calling them libtards or ad hominem attacks that is guaranteed to get them entrenched in their dogma. And then it's just a matter of force. It's just a matter of who has the masses on their side, who has the political force on their side. And, and it comes down that only ends in civil war. Right. And so we have to, in our own personal lives, lead with, with, um, the, the way we want others to be. And we have to embody that in our own lives first. That's the only way that we'll get others to, to adopt the same uh, disposition and, and be open to, to changing their mind. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I, I tend to agree. And so, now that we've uh, talked about her for a bit, I can go back to not caring about Greta Thun Thunberg until maybe I happen upon her and then I can talk to her in this manner. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> I mean, the, the likelihood of either of us or any of us getting that opportunity is is unlikely, right? And that's a shame because um, she's got handlers around her that are protecting her from those kind of conversations. And it's a kind of understandable. Like, you don't want people like Rebel Media coming in there playing gotcha journalism um, you know, you could make an argument that while well, she's asking for it by, you know, she's old enough to do this, she's old enough to bear the consequences, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fair enough. But at the end of the day, it's not going to do anything. Um, you know, you're not going to solve anything by doing that. And so unfortunately, yeah. 
because there's so many people attacking her and because she's got this protective bubble around her that that tells her that her smarts that that her farts smell delicious um she's she's never going to unfortunately be exposed and that's where where the real shame is um in all this right it's it's the way she's being exploited and being used by both sides by one side that's using her yeah it's a great foil for the other side too right yeah yeah so cool well thanks for helping me uh clarify my thoughts on greta no no problem